Welcome. Welcome. I'm Adria. I'm Andrea. Welcome back to another episode of The Clan and Castle. Hey, y'all. Hello. Greetings. How are you? I am well. How are things going? Good. I have my coffee. I have a muffin and a bar. You have a couple treats over there. I have my treats. How are you? I'm lovely. I'm doing very well today. Yay. The day started off very dark. I was wondering if we were going to have enough light. Dark. And then the sun came out. Okay. Okay, like actually dark. Oh, no. Yeah, like actually. Like sunshine. I was like, dark. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. But then the sun came out. So it now, did. Here we are. You can see us. All the things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Welcome. Episode 10. Episode 10. To teach or not to teach. Yes. So, um... Before we get into that, should we break the ice? Let's break the ice. Okay. It's icebreaker time. Okay, we're opening the sparkling bottle. The sparkling bottle. <laughs> I don't even the remember shake. the questions that I put in here. Same. <laughs> what? What's, what's the most amazing natural occurrence you've witnessed? What does that mean? Oh, I wrote that. Yeah. Let <laughs> me see this. <clears throat> What's the most amazing natural occurrence? I just said that. <laughs> oh, you know what? I know. An earthquake I can go or easily. That can, that's a natural occurrence. I ain't never seen an earthquake. I've been in an earthquake, but no, oh. definitely. I've witnessed two births of babies. Okay, okay. At this point. And if that's not the most amazing natural occurrence, I don't know what is. And, um... Yeah, it's beautiful. I recommend all women or people with vulvas um, should look at that. Can't stand. Look, that's the that's the that's honestly the most up to date, politically correct way of saying it because people who are not women also who do not identify as women have babies. This is very true. And so yes, hmm. gotta be ahead of the ahead of know. the game. Listen, I have I have no idea. Um, I haven't seen a birth in person. I've only seen them on YouTube. Um, completely different. Completely different. Completely. And Those things TV. that you see on TV suck. It's no, so they like, were real. Whoa. No, they were real, like at home births. They they were they were. Okay. I felt like if I I was almost in the room. Okay. But I would have to say, like I guess, just nature. Like I've I've been to you know some rainforests, some yeah. waterfall, like nature. That would Period. be. That would be it, because I haven't really, I haven't been to earthquake, I haven't been to mudslide. It doesn't have to be something, you know, grandiose like that. Like, sometimes I'll, like, walk out and a leaf will be on my, on the ground, and it's, like, so vibrant and green. Oh, is that what you mean now? (gasps) It's however you interpret it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I got that question from. Thank you for that deep, insightful question. And thank you to those women who let me be there. For the, that birthing, special moment is deep. Um, so, yay! Ice has been broken. And it has. And so, boom, we're going to get right into it. So, to teach or not to teach. Um, and this is going to be very straightforward. Like, we have, we obviously have, like, very deep connections in our own reasoning for 
practicing yoga and then teaching yoga um and so we're you know there's layers to that so right now we're gonna go from that like outer layer and then as we you know continue this podcast we can get deeper and deeper into those um connections right um to this practice Oh my gosh, I forget that on video, my hands are like so much a part of... They're like the third host. I told her that. I was like, we have three people on this show. It's us and Andrea's hands. Yeah. Um, And here they go. They're just... Okay, anyway. Um, So, uh, the first question that I, um, I have is, when was your aha moment when you realized you wanted to or that you could teach yoga? Yeah. So I, for me, it was back in, it was like six or seven years ago mm-hmm. when I was just like dabbling in it. I didn't really understand it, but I was, I for a minute had like a glimpse of me being able to teach. And then after my surgery, I got back into yoga like a year, year and a half later um and really like was serious about it like more serious and the studio i was going to was a bikram studio at the time and um i didn't know what bikram was and i was like what am i doing here it was 105 degrees my wound was like it was still closing like it there was still a little bit um like before the scarring and i was taking this class and there was a teacher at the studio her name was um susanna and she was, um, she looked biracial to me. Wait a second. Yeah, same Susanna that comes to your studio. Hold on, yep. she's like, I do not remember this. Did we talk about this? I mentioned it to you when she was at the studio. Same thing Okay, with, go ahead, yeah, go ahead, yeah. come on, let's talk. Yeah, and I saw her. And she was the first woman that resonated with me as a teacher. Like, the teacher I had before, before my surgery, yeah. I only had a glimpse that I could do that. She was um, Middle Eastern. And so it was still, I, I didn't see myself doing it. When I got taught by Susanna, in the state that I was in post-surgery, that was my aha moment of like, oh, I could do, I could do this too. Oh my God. Because you know, you have like the radar for like as a biracial, at least for me as a biracial woman, I have like a radar for other biracial people or just like black mixed people. Right. And she, I don't know, like her, her energy and her presence was so powerful. And I was like, oh, I could do this. Yeah. And on top of it, the yoga was helping me so much, like, connect my mind, my body, and my spirit again, that I needed, I wanted yoga to be an obligation in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted it to be something that I had to serve, yeah. that I had to do. Mm-hmm. Not in like a, not in like a, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, not in like a negative way. Because right. sometimes I think no. that could come off a little bit like strong, but I needed it to be always. Yeah, it's kind of like I I tell people, you know, even with practicing the yoga, it's like brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. It's like a part of your everyday routine. Um, You know, sometimes at the end of the night when you're tired, you're laying down already and you're like, shit, I got to get up and brush my teeth. It's like you don't want to, but you should. This is going to be good for you. Exactly. And so, yeah, there's days that you may not necessarily feel like doing it, but it's good for you. You know that this is important and it's part of your yeah, and then the yoga, the yoga expands. It's not always 
getting on the mat. Sometimes the yoga is like just the breathing, just the breath, yeah. right? And so that was my my moment of like, oh, I could do this too. Right. Um, and yeah. Okay, y'all. So Adria just took my whole <laughs> moment. What? Well, kind of. So so I had been practicing. Mm, I'm going to say maybe like six or seven years. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I started my practice, um, and it was also Bikram practice. Mm-hmm. And um, I was 14 when I started. I went, I, um, oh, look, so, so to teach, though. Yes, okay. But so anyway, but I was taking all of these classes. It was just a normal thing for me. And then same thing, same teacher. Suzanne, shout out to Suzanne. Yes, I was at the studio in Northville, Michigan. And she came in and I saw her. She had locks and she had like curly bangs. And I saw her and I was like, I saw her walk up and I saw her get towards the front of the room. And I was like, wait, is she teaching? And I was like floored. And then she started teaching her voice was so calm and like there was something in her that I saw a reflection of myself and never had I felt that feeling um you know I've been and I I had been practicing and I loved all of my teachers all of the teachers that I had were so kind so loving and everything but it was her that I was like it gave me permission to exactly even think of teaching even thinking of it even considering it once i saw her yeah and so yeah wow that's so funny that's so the cool. same woman literally and the same. it's also because there there's not a lot there aren't there, <laughs> there aren't was, especially then yeah exactly because that know? that was that was about six years ago well five yeah mine was, for me yeah mine was oh God. even longer right yeah exactly almost 10 years right Wow. A decade. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Now, now there's like a whole influx. Yeah. Yeah. We're here. Millennials and yeah, absolutely are out here doing it. So I love it. That's so cool. Well, um, shout out to Suzanne. Suzanne. Ah, yeah. It's really gotta, cool. I gotta like get this onto Facebook so that she can yes, see it. Yes. We gotta share it with her. Shout out to you. Wow. That's so cool. I know. <laughs> okay. Um, And so... So that's when we realized that we could teach. Right. So fast forward, we're teaching now. Yeah, we're we, teachers. We do that. Yeah, <laughs> we do that. Um, we teach yoga and Pilates. Yep. And so with our chronic conditions, there's there can be difficulties with within our bodies, within our minds, and that can make it, you know, that can cause some interference. Absolutely. When teaching. Yeah. And so. What would be some of those difficulties that can arise for you, like while you're teaching, or even before you're teaching, like when you're trying to plan? Right. You know, what does that what does that look like? Do Do you have like specific moments? Gosh. I know it's so like it's it's like it's such a it's not broad. It's just so it's actually really easy to be like yes yes. Absolutely, yes. we're human. And like, it's not always. That for me, it's not always. Some some days I feel amazing. Like we were talking about like our pain level. Sometimes my pain level is at a two. 
Like I, I have residual pain, like background pain, but it's very less. Now on the days that I'm flaring and you know, you've been, you saw me like these past two weeks, I had like a really difficult time. And the thing about teaching is it is just, it is just as much physical practice for the teacher as it is the student, especially when you care Mm -hmm. and especially when you believe in what you're doing and you, you, you enjoy it. And so for me, um, like these past two weeks, my pain level was more in the upper nines and tens, right? So that's very, those are two different, you know, aspects. And so when my pain is at a nine or a 10, the difficulty begins prior to planning, Right. Right? Like, yeah, like I can't even say when teaching. Exactly, because I teach like every other day, basically. Yeah. So, like, it's the day before. Yeah. It's the day before where I'm like, I really hope that by the time my class comes, I'm good. That's like the first thought. And this is just me being really, really honest. Yeah. Then the day of is like, okay, I have to plan, but how am I really feeling? Am I even feeling aligned, you know, physically? Because when you get into that room, your students are there to to get from you, yeah. And that is just that is just what it is, and I and I love that that aspect of it. But it's like you gotta you gotta have it, right? Like there's moments where definitely with the pain, with the flares, comes that imposter syndrome. Like there is no, I, I have no right for to be teaching this, yeah. and I'm experiencing pain in my body. Um, it it causes for me it causes like definitely mentally it's more challenging being able to confidently go into a room and guide people through strengthening their bodies and strengthening their um, mind body connection and but once I walk into the room like literally yep once I walk through those doors things it shifts, but yeah. it's definitely leading up to it where I'm like, I hope that I feel better before this, or I don't know how I'm going to make it through this, or, you know, yes. all of these thoughts are all like of them, all of them. My head. And that's the thing about dealing with chronic pain or with flare pain, that it's, it's so much more than what you see on the, in those like fleeting moments that you see someone. Absolutely. You know, when you see us when we're teaching, that's, that's an hour maybe the 30 minutes before class and mm-hmm. then the hour of us teaching. So that's a very small time frame Absolutely. within a 24-hour, you know, gap. Or a 24-hour t- time frame, you get that one and a half hours of seeing right. us giving our absolute best. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, yeah, and you, like, mentioning the imposter syndrome is so real. Like, Absolutely. for me, it's like, if I can't sit up straight, Right. If I can't sit up straight and I'm teaching a yin class, I'm at the front of the class. People are looking at me as the example, and I'm hunched. And most people would observe that as, like, poor posture, but it's really, like, alleviating some of my pain so that I can be present in the space. And so I've contemplated that often. Like, I, and, and, you know, between you and I, you know that very well, I've, I've, almost stopped myself from going into a room because I felt unequipped because of that moment of my 
my chronic illness as if it it's just it's 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 very um it's hard to talk about in some ways it is it is because it's so it feels taboo it feels like it feels like what am i saying and it's like that that is the imposter syndrome holding you back like like like, you don't you you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't even be teaching if you can't sit up why were you even doing this yeah exactly and that's a struggle that we work with every day literally and like same same thing for me there's a posture where we have our arms uh, against the floor and we're, we're laying against the floor and literally every time i do it my my wrist will sublux mm. uh, or sublux sublux with you right. sublux and so literally every time i try it and i try it one way i try it another way i try my arms out a little bit more i try it this way and when i'm practicing and no matter what my my wrists give out every single time right. and it's like it feels so contradictory to to guide people to do something that i physically my my joints literally cannot can't do. do and i actually met a yoga teacher once and she well i met her her husband he's he's a bikram teacher and um he was saying that the practice of yoga that she teaches is that if you can't do the movement you can't teach it right and it it left me feeling very like um I felt bad. I felt bad about myself. I felt yeah. like I wasn't worthy of that. That one and always, because that is one that is taught often. If you can't do the movement, do not teach it. That right. is weaved into, that was weaved into my training. That was, yeah. and it is disheartening because if I, I know everything else about the posture. I know how to cue it. I know what it should look like. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it kind of is like, I don't, I don't know. It's strange for me. Certain postures, I literally cannot. And then, so, you know what? It, it, it made me feel like, okay, so what about, there's a, there's a Bikram instructor who has one arm. Right. And guess what? He teaches. Exactly. And what about, what about physical trainers yeah. who who are personal trainers who are in wheelchairs sure they can guide people through doing yeah things. that for me and it's so about these the are knowledge. disabilities yeah these are disabilities yeah and we have to remember that with these chronic conditions granted you might not see it yeah but th- there is a level of disability absolutely to, to these conditions and People with disabilities, whether you see it, whether you can't, they're just as valid. Just as knowledgeable. Period. And yeah. and so, but looking at us, you would not. You can't see it. You would not see it. Sure. It's like, yeah. Oh, yes, oh, I know. That, that really. Cause, but that's, that is, that's the, that's the honest truth. And I feel like that kind of, like our third question, we had difficulty forming and I feel like it is because of even like that breath you I just let out emotional now. and it's that's okay it is it's a lot because then you don't I also don't even feel I don't feel like I'm worthy of calling myself disabled either see yeah and and one thing I will tell you is that these aren't possibly disabilities these actually are like I've had mine really recognized hard. by the court. I had to go to court mm-hmm. 
so that I could explain, like, I can't work right now. I can't work right now, literally. Physically, I cannot Mm -hmm. work. And this is the thing with Ehlers-Danlos, because there is not a lot of awareness behind it. I've I've read blogs about people who have gone to get their disability and the amount of hoops that they have to go through. Because if you look at someone like me, you would not think. Yep, you can't see it. Yeah, you can't show up at a court and and look a certain way without having to provide so much proof and and the thing is you can x-ray my body and you might be able to see things it might look like a little extra space in Mm -hmm. the joints but it's not going to show all the complications that happen with the connective tissue you can't see that and so that's it, it becomes really difficult but like you said this this so the the moment where I kind of realized like this might be a disability was when I so when we when I first opened the studio um, there was a point where I was like hey I can get a part time job to kind of like right. make money and you know be able to do and run the studio at the same time I went and I applied at a job and I was at the interview and this was during a really heightened flare type mm. of pain I was probably working around an eleven. Okay. And the 11s, 11s happen quite often. Mm. And so I was at this interview. It took forever to walk through to get to this to this interview. Um, like it was it was at a mall. I was going to work. I was trying to work at Apple. <laughs> and um, and when during the interview, like. I could tell that the people in the interview could see that I was in pain and I was mm. and I felt uncomfortable about it I could I felt like it was all over my face and everything and um I was I was requesting to work in the back room because I was like I'm really good at stock I'm so good at organizing I worked at Lululemon before I know how to run the back room I loved working the back room but I knew that I was in pain at the moment and he asked me are you able to you know do the task of your job with little to no accommodation and like I had limped my whole way to the interview and everything. And like right. when I was there, I was just like, it, I paused for a second because then I realized like it might not look like it right now. But yes, I know I can do all right. of these things, but right now I just can't. And it'll be better. Sure. I don't know when, but it will be better. Sure. And so that was the moment where it was kind of like this that's the disability question. There's a barrier to what you're experiencing. There is a barrier. Now, that's not to say that we don't get over it or we don't overcome it every single day that you do get up and you walk, you do all the things you teach, yeah, right? Right. But that barrier is what you using a cane, right? The braces. All of those things, like, give us permission to own it as, as that. And also that doesn't mean... Right, it's just proving more of of the point of it doesn't mean that we're less knowledgeable right. or less lesser. Yeah. Right, and so, and that's really like powerful. And I haven't like, I I really like when I got my SSI for the couple years that I had it, I felt like such shame mm. around it. Absolutely. I felt like, even though all it was was seven hundred dollars a month, and I was still working 
hopefully the government don't watch this. Um, I was still working under the table. Like, I had to work under the table so that it didn't get taken away because it was, like, my safety net. Right. Because it was, like, what even – and then once once they removed me off of it because I was able to work, it's like, but what if tomorrow I'm not? Then I have to go through the whole process again, mm-hmm. and that's a whole thing mm. in and of itself. And – it's, it's difficult. It's a whole um, lifestyle in real life. Yeah. And we started off with to teach or not to teach, right? And, right? and landed on that because that is that is like the contemplation. But at the end of the day, we've chosen to teach. Period. And so for me, I've chosen to teach. And I was telling Andrea before we started recording, it's like it's not a job for me. It's mm-hmm. something that I, it's like it's therapeutic it's also a service for me. It's a duty. It's an obligation. It is, but not in the sense of a burden, in the sense of like a privilege. Yeah. Like I get to go do this. And, and most times teaching actually helps helps me. It makes me feel better. When we step into the room and I turn the mic on, things wash away. And I become capable. And the pain might return right when I step out. Mm-hmm. But for that hour... It's like an hour of remission yeah. from whatever I'm feeling, and it's so worth it. It's like it's an antidote, just like you know, using cannabis, just like meditating, just like essential oils. Teaching is a tool that helps me cope right. with what I'm dealing with. Like if I, and some days I, I don't. Some days I, I, I phone it in. Yeah. I say I, I don't have it today because it would be unfair to my to the students yeah yeah right we to do. show up in, in that and 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 that i think is something that i'm most proud of Good. is the capability to do that and the the having the support of course yeah. because not everyone has that level of support yeah that's so important knowing that you can that you can do that yeah and that's so important because the last thing you want to do is burn out doing like teaching or just yoga. yeah or teach a class that really ain't do nothing for nobody that's oh. my biggest thing is i don't yeah. ever want to step into the room and not do for the people that are taking the time out of their day like fully being coming present. to yeah yeah fully mm-hmm. being present and some days you don't got it all together but the kind of lack of presence that can occur when you're in a certain amount of pain is very real right. and it would be so um hypocritical to ignore that yeah right 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 because there's moments where you know students are like hey i don't feel like i da, 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 da. i'm like rest it's okay rest. you can yeah. rest we've been conditioned you don't, you don't yeah you don't have to practice yeah today. we've been like, conditioned that if we and I just I, do it, I taught. Yeah. And I taught last night and the the message in my yin last night was like, will you rest for it as much as you work for it? Mm. Like, will you pause? And, and in, in the same amount of like passion you have for the work. Yeah. Like, would you, you know, rest mm-hmm. for it? And so I don't I don't know. It's, you know, with with my why. The the heat in the, our studio is rest for me. Yeah, the heat 
I'm so grateful that the heat works well with my body, with my composition, because I know some people with my conditions, they can get triggered with right. the heat. Um, but luckily, that heat, it feels incredibly good on my joints. Um, so to be there in a room and talk to people about their bodies is is that is enough is very healing yeah. for me. Um, literally, like physically, being yeah. in that hot room helps me. Period. Um, and then to be able to hold space for people and connect with people, um, I thrive on deep connections yeah. with people. Human interactions and human connections, it's so important. Um, like small talk, all the like superficial things I can't do. It like literally gets under my skin. And there's something so deep and profound with talking to someone about their toes and them looking down and realizing that they have toes <laughs> and witnessing that and then them like connecting back with you having that like cyclical reciprocal kind of energy exactly. that is so beautiful that goes back to our icebreaker right that is one of the most amazing natural occurrences I love that. there's times where i'm in pilates and i'm like tap your heel to your heel tap your knee to your knee everybody knows this who's who's taking this class when they do that move and they tap their heel to their heel and they go oh my god it's like they yeah. literally realize that they have heels at that moment right and that is a beautiful moment yeah. and i feel it just as much as they do yeah and that energy that connection people doing things that they realize that they could not do it's 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 so beautiful and i'm so grateful and happy that i can be there for that and then it's like i guess that's me teaching yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so yeah it it's like i and people say that all the time like thanks for teaching that class i was like look i was just in there and you know i was saying things and right. we were doing things together yeah exactly like you you were doing all of the things just as much as i was exactly even more yeah so, absolutely yeah so it's, yeah it's a co collective energy i love it so yeah to teach or not to teach i think we've made our choice in our it. lives. I yeah. love it. So um, thank you all so much for listening um, to episode 10. Um, make sure that you subscribe. Follow us at The Chronic Hustle. Our personal pages, Adria Moses. At Andrea Mahal. Yes, mm -hmm. and we appreciate you. See you next time. Bye. Peace.